Hello and welcome to Transverse News, your weekly trans and LGBT news and commentary show from the Transverse Network. I'm your host, Emily. Let's get into our first story. On Tuesday, May 2nd, Montana's drag ban HB 359 passed the state Senate by a vote of 29 to 21, sending it to Republican Governor Greg Johnfort's desk to be signed into law. The bill bans businesses from allowing minors to attend, quote, sexually oriented performances, but then defines what counts as sexually oriented broadly so that it can be used to encompass drag shows. Then in contrast, it directly bans drag queen story hours from libraries and and places like that, um, which obviously contain none of the elements of a drag show, save for the fact that there is a person in drag. When it was first introduced, the wording of the bill specifically mentioned drag performance, but the bill was amended multiple times at one point using the term, quote, adult oriented, then eventually, quote, sexually oriented. This final iteration, HB 359, defines a sexually oriented performance uh, based on whether it is intended to appeal to a purient interest in sex and whether it features complete or partial exposure of certain body parts. The intent of the rewording was to make it palatable across the aisle and something that would look bad to vote against, basically. Then uh, once it comes into law, it could be defended by the attorney general's office as sort of a common decency policy. Moving on to Texas, Texas uh, Attorney General Ken Paxton launched another volley in the attack against trans health care rights, announcing an investigation into Dell Children's Medical Center over what he calls potentially illegal activity. The intent of the probe is to look into what gender affirming care treatments were administered and whether any of them break the laws recently put into place that essentially contradict the medical community and their stance on it. Paxton is on a crusade to officially label as child abuse the care that leading healthcare organizations and medical associations see as important for health and well being of the patients they treat. In a tweet, Paxton wrote, Breaking. I am launching an investigation into Dell Children's Medical Center regarding gender transition of minors, which, I mean, first off, can you call your own tweet breaking news? Like, isn't that the same as like trying to give yourself a cool nickname? It just seems you shouldn't be able to label your own news as breaking news. Anywho, um, Paxton goes on in the tweet to reiterate his main point, the gender transition for minors is child abuse and that, quote, child abuse will not be tolerated. Nothing new here. It's the same thing that he's been doing for a while, trying to call transition for youth, for people under the age of 18, child abuse, as if it's not the child's decision with, you know, um, consent. It's not it's not the child that's pushing for it in most cases. And again, um, the medical community sees it and understands it as something that is helpful to children who are transgender. It's more of the same. Texas State Police forcibly detained multiple people and arrested at least two during a transgender rights demonstration at the House of Representatives on Tuesday, while another protester was banned from the Capitol for a year after she unfurled a banner inside the building. This is very similar to what we saw in Montana, the wake of Zoe Zephyr being banned from the House floor. Um, This was actually within the House chambers. The Texas Freedom Network, which organized the protest along with other member organizations of the All In for Equality Coalition, 
called the action a sing-in to oppose Senate Bill 14, a piece of proposed legislation that would prohibit minors in Texas from receiving new gender-affirming care medical treatments and eventually bar doctors from providing it to them altogether. This is from them, by the way. You can find them at them.us. According to reporting by the Texas Tribune, protesters inside the House gallery began chanting and singing an objection to the bill during debate. Republican House Speaker Dade Phelan quickly ordered state police to clear the gallery, writing later on Twitter that the demonstration violated decorum in the chamber. In video footage released by both the Tribune and Spectrum News, police can be seen physically restraining Adri Perez, the non-binary organizing director of TFN, first grabbing them from behind and then dragging them to the ground. Three officers appear to kneel on Perez's back and legs as their backpack is shoved over their head, pinning them to the floor. It sounds a bit excessive for some people there singing to disrupt a legislative session. Moving on to Louisiana, uh, the Louisiana State House of Representatives Committee failed to approve a bill aimed at improving workplace protection for LGBTQ plus employees on Wednesday in a vote of seven to five. The bill would have added sexual orientation and gender identity to the state's current employment discrimination law, which bans discrimination based on race, religion, sex, national origin, and cultural hairstyle. Opponents said the addition would result in lawsuits against companies. Well, companies who are transphobic and, and homophobic, yeah. Probably. If you're violating the rules, then yeah. I mean, there has to be some kind of grace period in there for people to update their policies and to inform their managers and everything. But then, yeah, if you're not following the law, then there will be lawsuits. Representative Delisha Boyd, a Democrat from New Orleans, explained that the bill which she proposed would help increase workers it would help increase workers in the state. Skilled and talented people are in short supply in our state, Boyd said, according to public radio station WRKF. We need to expand our employment pool regardless of their race, gender, or sexual orientation. Several members of the LGBTQ community spoke to the House Labor and Industrial Relations Committee about their experiences being discriminated against while looking for employment. The executive director of Louisiana Trans Advocates, Peyton Rose Michelle, a trans woman, said that even after graduating high school with a 3.8 GPA, it still took applying to hundreds of jobs and several years to find work. It's really important that we codify protections into our state language, our community. We desperately need it. Moving on to Missouri, a Missouri judge has granted a temporary restraining order against a ruling by the state's attorney general, which was set to severely limit access to trans health care in the state. On Monday, May 1st, the 21st Judicial Circuit Judge Ellen Rabaudo granted a temporary restraining order to prevent Attorney General Andrew Bailey's earlier emergency ruling on gender affirming care. Bailey's ruling, which would make gender affirming care nearly impossible to access, was temporarily suspended on May 1st after a hearing in St. Louis County Circuit Court on April 27th. In her order on Monday, Judge Rabato stated, plaintiffs have met their burden to show that they will be subjected to immediate and irreparable loss, damage, or injury if the Attorney General is permitted to enforce the emergency rule and its broad sweeping provisions were implemented without further fact-finding or evidence. A hearing for a preliminary injunction preventing Bailey's ruling until the, um, until the trial is over and the court 
has issued a judgment has been set by the court for 1 p.m. on May 11th. The temporary restraining order will expire on May 15th. We've been talking about Missouri a lot. We've been talking about um, Bailey and that emergency rule and some different things that are going on. They're passing some, you know, gender care bans and things like that. In the midst of all of this, Kansas City has um, introduced a bid to become a sanctuary city for trans people. Missouri has introduced some of the most restrictive laws surrounding gender affirming care in the United States and um, Kansas City is the biggest city in the state. So it'll be very interesting to see where this one goes. In April, Missouri introduced legislation that would make access to gender affirming care for all trans people, including adults, nearly impossible with hoops, including mandatory therapy and three years of medically documented dysphoria to jump through before receiving care. And one of the key things we talked about in this bill was that you can't have any comorbidities as far as mental health diagnoses. Those must be addressed and remedied before you can begin gender affirming care. And, you know, for most of us, like with ADHD, that's not something that you can just cure. That's something that you treat regularly. So to make curing something a prerequisite for gender affirming care, in effect, makes it impossible to acquire gender affirming care. The LGBTQ plus commission of Kansas city explained that the legislation would create municipal municipal policy around access in the city of Kansas city. So locals would receive vital health care. The bill will now go to a committee before a public hearing. The LGBTQ plus commission previously released a letter urging the city to pass legislation, declaring it a safe haven for trans health care. There are several states, counties, and cities who have passed legislation codifying the right to receive and have access to gender affirming care into law, it read. In, this, in the city of Kansas City, we must take every action at our disposal to be proactive, reduce harm, and ensure that Kansas Cityans have access to life-saving health care. Over to Maryland now. Maryland Governor Wes Moore has signed a bill into law guaranteeing Medicaid coverage for gender affirming procedures. Moore, a Democrat, signed the bill Wednesday, along with several other measures, including legislation protecting against or protecting access to abortion in the state signed into law. SB 460, the Trans Health Equity Act, requires the Maryland Medical Assistance Program, the state's Medicaid program, to cover medically necessary gender affirming care in a non-discriminatory manner. The program may not issue an, quote, adverse benefit determination that is deny coverage unless a healthcare provider with experience prescribing or delivering gender affirming treatment has reviewed and confirmed the appropriateness of the determination. Medicaid is a joint federal state program providing health insurance for low-income Americans. The Maryland legislation comes at a time when conservative states are banning Medicaid coverage of gender affirming procedures or banning the procedure for minors. Let's move over to Oregon then and, and talk about this story. The Oregon House of Representatives has advanced a bill that would mandate insurance coverage for abortion and gender affirming care and shield doctors that provide it. On Monday, the state legislature voted along party lines to approve House Bill 2002, which would require all health plans in Oregon to cover abortion procedures and gender affirming care on the basis that all individuals have, quote, a fundamental right to make decisions about the individual's reproductive health, unquote. Included in the requirements are coverage for electrolysis, tracheal shaves, and revisions to previous treatment procedures, which are frequently labeled, quote, cosmetic, 
by insurance regardless of actual medical need. So a lot of times for trans folks, our surgeries may be covered, but the the follow-up appointments to correct anything, you know, there's there's scarring, there's swelling, they're not able to get everything finished and looking correctly in that first surgery. It takes additional surgeries to get everything looking correct. In the past, that has been deemed by insurance companies to be cosmetic. And this bill would require insurance companies to cover those follow-up treatments as well as part of the original treatment. Like the shield laws for gender affirming care that have now passed into law in five states, HB 2002 would prohibit compliance with other states' laws criminalizing protected care, instructing government employees not to issue subpoenas to doctors or individuals who seek those treatments, and preventing medical boards from revoking licenses due solely to such out-of-state charges, declaring those measures to be, quote, contrary to the public policy of this state. The transgender community in Kerala, India have come together seeking legal action against online media companies after the suicide of trans bodybuilder Praveen Nath. When relationship issues between Nath and his partner Rishana Aishu were made public on Instagram, an influx of trolling and hateful comments inundated the couple, leading the local icon to his end. Nath became a well-known bodybuilder in Kerala when he won the title of Mr. Kerala in 2021, and the next year was a finalist in the Mumbai 2022 National Bodybuilding Competition. This recognition and celebrity was what led to the attention that turned negative when he made, then shortly after deleted, a post that he and Aishu were breaking up. A friend of Nath's wrote in a comment memorializing Nath that, quote, it has become a land of curiosity about queer people's marriages, feuds, separations and reunions. The people who ripped your privacy apart must be relieved now. You have lost your peace of mind by being bullied by queer and non-queer people alike." The quote ends. In response to Nath's suicide and subsequent attempted suicide of Aishu, their local transgender community banded together to demand justice, filing a formal complaint with the chief minister and the director general of police. It is unclear what charges, if any, will be brought and against what media companies. We'll have to try and see if we can keep our eyes on this story because uh, just a big tragedy. And I, I hope that the trans community there is able to fight and achieve some level of justice for that couple. When the writer's strike was looming, we knew we'd be seeing an influx of reality shows because uh, those don't require a full writing staff. Hulu is releasing a 10 episode show called Drag Me to Dinner, a competition reality show featuring familiar faces from RuPaul's Drag Race, Dragula, and social media, where the competitors will pair off to see who can throw a winning dinner party. The star-studded judges panel will include gay icon Neil Patrick Harris, Drag Race season six champ Bianca Del Rio, and actor Hanifa Wood. Contestants will be judged based on food and drink, design and decor, entertainment, and overall vibe. Neil Patrick Harris's husband is involved in the show as well. He'll be introducing the theme for each week's episode. Lily Wachowski's latest project is mentoring up and coming trans filmmakers of color. According to them, Lily Wachowski has partnered with the nonprofit Queer Art as one of the organization's cadre of esteemed mentors. Describing the position as, quote, a path toward the resistance of empire, the filmmaker's role comprises a year-long creative exchange with the up-and-coming filmmaker um, 
Catching on Thieves, who's currently at work on a feature film about a suicidal therapist who hires an assassin to take their own life. Okay, interesting story. All right. Um, so far, the collaboration has proven valuable beyond the sharing of scripts and the discussion of genre films and camera work. Lily is teaching me that it's healthy and fruitful to work from a place of rage, says Wachowski's mentee, and that there's power in the place having humor and love. It doesn't have to be one or the other. I guess that adds the tension, right? When you've got the, the underlying bubbling up rage um, mixed in with the love and humor, it creates an interesting tension. And so uh, it's good to see that this filmmaker's project is being supported by Wachowski. They're having, they're ha they have her as a mentor and are able to glean everything they can from her. What to see? I don't know what the title of the film is. We'll, we'll find out later. <laughs> the latest attempt to silence Zoe Zephyr and Aaron Reed has failed. On May 2nd, internet trolls attempted a SWAT attack on transgender Montana representative Zoe Zephyr and her girlfriend Aaron Reed of Aaron in the Morning. Zephyr has come under attack from trolls, hate groups, and even the Montana legislature itself in recent months. Zephyr has remained resilient in her fight for trans people in Montana and for her constituents in Missoula, despite being banned from the Montana House floor and suffering a constant barrage of online attacks. The latest attempt to scare, harm, and silence Zephyr and Reed also failed to deter the stalwart pair. In a Twitter post about the incident, Reed told followers, thankfully, I've worked closely with the police in my community anticipating this, and the attempt failed. I will never stop advocating for my community and will never be silenced. She has made a name for herself as an online reporter of transgender issues and for her vocal resistance in the fight for trans rights. And you all know that here because we regularly cite Aaron Reed's stories. We actually didn't end up having any from Aaron tonight. We have a few here in a row about Aaron though, so it's very interesting. Pink News reported that trans lawmaker Zoe Zephyr returned to the Montana House of Representatives just hours after a judge uh, re rejected her bid for immediate reinstatement. On Tuesday, May 2nd, the 68th legislative session of the Montana House officially came to an end, meaning Zephyr could re-enter the chamber and join her colleagues who were quick to issue hugs. I wasn't able to find in this story from Pink News when that session starts again, so we'll have to stay tuned on that one. But in our big feel-good story of the night, this one's great, Zoe Zephyr and Aaron Reed are now engaged. The pair have had to weather a lot in recent months and it's great that they have finally some fairy tale to their story. Zephyr was on the stage at a queer prom event in Montana on May 7th when she dropped to one knee and popped the question. She had been on the mic in front of the crowd delivering a speech about the presence and resilience of the trans community throughout history and the through line she saw was love. She then brought Reed up to the front and talked about how she couldn't have gotten through recent months without Aaron by her side. She spoke directly to the crowd then saying, so Missoula, if you could share a moment with me. Then she turned and asked, Aaron, will you marry me? It's a wonderful moment. And luckily there's video of the whole thing on Aaron in the Morning's YouTube channel. So um, go and check it out. Sorry we weren't able to show it to you here on the Transverse, but um, yeah, just go to Aaron in the Morning on YouTube and watch that. It made me cry a little bit. So um, you make, some, make sure you have some tissues ready. It's a very sweet moment. And um, it's always great to hear Zoe Zephyr up there speaking. She has a great deal of power to her and 
Um, I, mean, I really like what she has to say. So go check that one out. For Kari Aiden in the booth, I'm Emily Michelle, wishing you good night and good news. Thank you so much, everybody. Thank you for listening to this episode of Transverse News. Be sure to check out our other podcast, The Transgender Show, an interview program about self-discovery and acceptance.